2: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writingexcuses.
1: Season 16.
2: Episode 49.
3: This is Writing Excuses, Magic and Technology, Two Sides of the Same Coin.
1: Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Fonda. I'm Mary Robinette.
3: And I'm Howard. And we're going to talk about magic and technology. We could come up with all kinds of fun little quotes about how they're related to each other, but tell us about them, Fonda. How are they related to each other? (laughs)
1: I like uh, talking about them together and in a sort of special, separate episode because they are uh, mentioned as such um, huge parts of world building when it comes to speculative fiction stories. And I think of them um, as uh, tools. They're both they're both tools, and um, they're tools in in two different aspects. The first being that you know they're not inherently good or bad right I mean, you have a tool you could use a knife to uh free a hostage you could use it to cut steak you could stab someone with it and it's what people choose to do those are all three tool. the same activity <laughs> <laughs> sorry keep going <laughs> howard i'm a little worried but i will continue nice. yeah, <laughs> howard <laughs> so what people decide to do with that tool is where where the interest, where the where the tension, where the story um lies. And they're also both tools in the sense that if you uh if you create them, it is for a purpose and you uh if if you're if they're in the story, they need to be there for a reason and they ought to be used. Um so um I think of them um as serving Similar narrative functions is one reason why I move very easily between writing science fiction and writing fantasy. Because regardless of whether you are employing magic or you're employing um, advanced technology that doesn't exist uh, in, in as we know it today, um, you are you can do similar things with them um, in order to advance your plot. And um, the thing to keep in mind is that. In either of those cases, you need to establish the uh, the ground rules for your magic and your tech and remain consistent and follow them.
3: Now, I'm going to say this because I know that one or more of our listeners out there is thinking this right now. What if I invent a magic that is inherently good or bad? And, you know, an example that comes to mind is the Reckoner series by Brandon, uh, where having superpowers is inherently corruptive and makes you into a bad person because of the nature of the magic. Uh, that is, to Fonda's second point, a narrative tool and the way that the author has chosen to use it. So yes, don't think of these as as limits or us telling you that you can or can't do something. Uh, just be aware that you are making choices and that you are using those tools for a specific outcome.
1: Yeah, that's a good example of Um, of doing something different with the idea of dark magic right like oftentimes in fantasy you have this term dark magic and i Mm -hmm. always want to sort of dissect that a little bit and ask okay well what makes it dark is it uh is, is it the people who use it tend to do dark things, or it is used primarily by a certain type of person, or it has been used to do terrible things in the past. And so now it has connotations of being evil. Um, so I think uh, you know if you, if you pull that apart and tease it apart a little bit, you can find um, more nuance and, and more angles to approach something that is sometimes taken for granted, like dark magic.
3: That's very cool.
1: Another thing um, that I want to say about magic and tech is that um, there is no human resource in our world that is ever evenly uh, distributed or accessed, right? We have um, cell phones um, in the hands of, you know, pretty much everybody that who you see on the street, but there are places in our world where people don't have running water. Uh, And so, um, and, there, an easy way to make your fantasy or, or, or science fiction world seem simplistic is to give the impression that the world um, doesn't have any of the same problems that, that we do. And everyone views the magic and the tech in the same way. and has evil, equal access to it. Because um, we talked about making our worlds feel real. Uh, a world where everyone has magic and the magic is limitless and it's equally accessed feels um, not only difficult to believe, but has less conflict and is inherently less interesting.
2: And, and I think to your point about magic and, and uh, technology being two sides of the same coin, because people are pattern-seeking creatures, we, we treat them the same. You know, like we, we have, uh, we'll, we'll say um, like there, there are magic spells in our real world. Like, if you need a bus to come, you walk away from the bus stop. It's, it's a very simple magic system, but it works every single time. If mm-hmm. you need to invoke rain, leave the house without an umbrella. It's, it's a very, it's again, simple magic system. Um, but, uh, but these are, these are the, the ways that we interpret the world and, and the ways that we, uh, we use things. Um, electricity is a magic system. And some people understand it deeply and can get it to do really cool things, and the rest of us just apply the work that someone else already did. And one of the oh, there's reasons there's a group
4: of people in the middle who are dead. There is a group of people in the middle,
2: but <laughs> but but there there are people there are people in you know in modern day America who do not have a good relationship with electricity, who uh, who think that it is related to many of the. the the modern evils, uh, and so want to limit its use. There's a a number of different places where you can find that being reality. My parents were born in the same year, um, in the same city. My dad got an electric train when he was seven at a time that my mom was living in a house with a dirt floor that did not have electricity in the house at all. So, you know, when we're talking about the the things that are uneven, it's not it's not just along one axis. It's along multiple different axes that that people have an uneven relationship to whatever this, whether it's magic or technology.
3: I want to pause here in the middle.
5: Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today.
6: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable.
3: to do our book of the week, which I get to talk about this time. And it is David Mogo Godhunter mm-hmm. by Suyi Davies Okumboa. He is a Nigerian fantasy author. And this book, it was his first published one, takes place in a post-apocalyptic Lagos, uh, Nigeria, where magic and technology have kind of been combined together, which is why I thought it would be fun for this one. Um, the apocalypse in the book was that the the thousands of gods that kind of live in the spirit world have collapsed into earth and lagos is this kind of semi-livable wasteland where these gods and their magic powers are just kind of there and sometimes they cause good things to happen and and sometimes they just cause more entropic reactions of things falling apart or ceasing to work and david mogo the god hunter of the title Uh, he can go around and kind of collect these things and trap them and uh, use them for different things. And the the villain also is trying to use the gods for various purposes. And so it's a really fascinating look, not only at the culture that he develops uh, for this kind of ruined Lagos, but also the way that magic is used and the way that technology is used by the characters in the book. That's David Mogo, God Hunter, by Suyi Davies Okumboa.
2: It's a great book. It's really, it's well worth reading. Uh, but you know, a, a book that uh, you made me think of was um, God Engines by John Scalzi, in which the, uh, the literal engine of spaceships are gods <laughs> that have been harnessed as power sources. Mm-hmm. So, again, both magic and technology. And I think that's kind of the thing for me is that, like, whatever, you know, anyone who is interacting with it on a daily basis is going to view it as technology. Um, anyone who is not interacting with it on a daily basis is going to view it as magic, regardless of
1: what it is. I love stories that combine magic and tech. And <laughs> it, it, they just, there's something about them that is so catnip to me.
4: Um, yeah. There was a Ian Banks story, um, a, a novel, Against a Dark Background, I think was the name, where it's a, it's a science fiction adventure um, with a MacGuffin. And the MacGuffin is called The Lazy Gun. And all we know about The Lazy Gun is that if you point it at someone and pull the trigger, they will die. And the larger the group of people you point the trigger at, you point out when you pull the trigger... Uh, the more likely it is that you're just going to get a big, boring explosion. Um, Also, if you turn it upside down, it's three pounds heavier. That's all we know about it. And those elements never get explored. You know, we never try and throw the gun to someone and have it turn over midair and end up heavier when it's, uh, it functions in the story like a magical artifact and in that regard, in a science fiction story, it's a world building tool that tells us we've forgotten a lot. Somebody built something that we no longer know how to build. Um, there are a lot of other things in the story that are, you know, your typical sorts of science fiction things that work the way you expect a science fiction thing to work. They have some rules and then those rules get exploited in order to use the thing in a heroic way heroic way uh huzzah but when we get our hands on the gun we're not actually answering questions about the gun we're shooting it in order to get away with it and then the story ends and I was actually very satisfied that it left me with this puzzle and this idea that in a technology and pseudo magic story there were elements that wouldn't be explained
1: yeah I am. Um have a magic element in my trilogy, but I never call it magic back to Mary Robinette's point that the people who interact with something on a daily basis, don't think of it as magic and the characters don't think of this thing as magic. They would never call it magic. It's just a natural part of their world. Um, And uh, we talked way back in episode two of this master class, all your characters are biased and have an incomplete view of the world uh, like the blind man and the elephant, when you are um, writing a world with magic or advanced tech, that um, principle of all your characters are biased is one to keep in mind really strongly because what does your character have access to? You know, what is their relationship to the magic and the tech? So um, you need to, uh, to answer for yourself, well, who controls this this technology or this magic who benefits what's the power structure around it um what is possible uh, to to do with it do you need training do you need a license do you need some someone to vouch for you are you born to it like what are all the sort of um social structures and and rules inherent rules around the magic or the technology um and then where does your character fit? What do they see? Um, how do they interact? Because they're not going to have the complete view. And your car- people are going to have very different opinions about magic and tech, just like they do in our world.
2: One of the fun exercises that I play with sometimes is, um, is also, what do your characters not know or misunderstand about the technology? Um, I have a friend who's an astrophysicist, and she was recently asked... Um, to explain, like a reporter called and was like, can you explain, uh, we've got some questions from children, Uh, why is the speed of light what it is? And she's like, nobody knows that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the speed of light. (laughs) It's like, why did the Big Bang happen? And she's like, okay, first of all, the Big Bang is not actually what happened, probably. Second, No one was there. Like, we've got theoretical models, but how am I uh, You want me to explain that to a (laughs) (laughs) five-year-old? But that at a certain point, it doesn't matter how much you know about something, you're still going to run up against something that you don't know, like parachutes. We don't actually know how parachutes work. Like, not enough to be able to design better parachutes by any method other than building them and tearing them. (laughs)
3: so while we are uh talking about this idea this uh giving context to the magic and the technology um let's talk about some of the I, i guess one of the main problems that i see with a lot of aspiring writers is the kind of just like our world but with x kind of fallacy where everything is identical except something has changed
2: you mean like Jane Austen Um, with magic
3: yeah which is (laughs) now that's a good one to bring up because I've had long conversations with you about how you designed the magic and the world so that they could complement each other without either one breaking the other one in half whereas there are a lot of things we see um the Netflix movie Bright did not do that and it was trying to use our modern world essentially unchanged, except that orcs and fairies and elves and stuff are real and everyone's known about them for hundreds, if not thousands of years, which doesn't work. There's a lot of things, uh, you know, fundamental to even just the naming conventions of Southern California, where the story take place would be different if the Catholic church had been destroyed or or altered by the presence of fairy magic, right? Mm-hmm. So, talk to us a little bit about that—that that kind of ripple effect of of how changing one aspect of a world can change everything else.
2: So one of the uh, one of the examples that um, that I, I cite sometimes uh, or, or think about sometimes is that in uh, Valor and Vanity, um, so glamour. Uh, which is the magic system is basically, um, it's an illusionary form of magic, um, and and in my mind, and this is why I'm like magic is technology. In my mind, what they're doing is they're manipulating the electromagnetic spectrum, uh, but they're only manipulating the waveforms. Glamour is just wave, not particles. This is th- th- this is my own brain. Um, obviously, that does not actually work. Just FYI, glamour is not real, uh, despite some of the letters <laughs> that I have received. So. Um, but the uh, there was a point at which I was having them do a form of glamour. And I'm like, wait, if you do that, they will have invented telephone in 1817. And that changes everything. And I had to go back in and layer in a rule about... Um, having glamour droop down to the earth. And like, I basically went back and looked at the the things that I already already laid and thought, which tool can I use to explain why this won't work in order to keep it from being, uh, from accidentally having this ripple effect. So I was constantly doing this back and forth to to layer things in, to keep it from changing the world too much because I wanted the power dynamics to stay the same. And I also made the decision that glamour was equally distributed so that what you get instead is the, the differences between that's not the power difference between countries. The power difference remains, um, the same, you know, related to, to many of the, uh, the, the, of the effects that happen in our world. Whereas if I had said, ah, this is, uh, which I did with ghost talkers, um, their understanding of ghosts was uh, something that was very British centric, but quite recent and a carefully guarded secret. Uh, So if, if the world of ghost talkers, which is set in world war one, if that had continued past that book, the outcome of world war one, the, the, like I was going to have to start changing every battle going forward because of, because of those uh, decisions that I made.
3: That's awesome. Well, it is on this subject, in fact, that we have our homework. So, Fonda, tell us our homework.
1: Yeah, this ties very closely to what Mary Robinette was talking about, which is um, thinking about the ripple effects and the second, third, fourth order um, effects that adding a speculative fiction element um, to your world uh, would result in. So I want you to to think of one, uh, one just... Thing that you would change about our world and um, come up with as many aspects of the world that would be different from our own as a result. So let's, let's say um, children have night vision or uh, you know, dogs can talk, just one little thing and um, do a brainstorm of how that would um, affect everything that you can think of in sort of our society daily life. And after you've done that for a little while, you know, mark one or two that could be the seed for an interesting conflict or an interesting story.
3: Sounds great. Well, this is Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write.
2: This episode of Writing Excuses was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. Your hosts were Dan Wells, Fonda Lee, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. To learn more about Writing Excuses, visit patreon.com forward slash writing excuses.
7: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.